Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Hey, this is John Gillespie with Waters and Woods TV. Welcome to another hour of Living the Outdoors with Mark Druick here on The Score. From the Fast Sign Studios, more than fast, more than signs. It's Living the Outdoors with Mark Druick, presented by Fleet Farm. Be part of the show by calling 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. Now, here's your host, Mark Druick. Greetings and welcome to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning us in tonight. We have a uh, special edition of Living the Outdoors here tonight. We are here for two hours tonight in celebration of the upcoming 2021 opening day for fishing. So uh, we've got lots of stuff planned here. We've got a couple of local guys in there to talk about fishing. Uh, We've got a game warden lined up as well. And uh, we will be able to take your calls uh, throughout the whole evening. So we're going to be here again for two hours talking about fishing and outdoors and all kinds of fun stuff. And if you want to call us, that's 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. We'd love to hear from you. And also, uh, please keep the emails coming to livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. I do appreciate all the kind words and the opportunities to get people connected through the outdoors as well. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's Outdoors Living The. And uh, I keep things posted up there. I just posted up some stuff from uh, this morning's hunt. And tomorrow is Throwback Thursday as well. So look for another archived uh, hunting and or fishing picture from uh, myself uh, over the past, uh, well, probably 30, 40, well, 45, 45 years of, of outdoors. I've done a pretty good job of documenting that as well. So what we're going to do is we are going to kick off tonight's broadcast uh, with our uh, uh, Ask a Game Warden co-host, Zach Seitz. And Zach, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good. Are you, are you all set and you ready to go for the, uh, the opener this weekend? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Ready to get out there and uh, talk to some fishermen, and hopefully there will be plenty of them out. Yeah, I'm thinking the weather's going to be nice, and uh, I think people are just getting fired up to get out and and get involved and get some outdoor activities going on. Now with turkey hunting going on, um, let's just talk about that briefly before we get into the fishing aspect of it. How are things looking out there now that we're into the second season um, of the regular season and the youth season? How are things going? Yeah, I mean, I think so far things have been going pretty well. Uh, the weather during the first season was, was pretty decent. Um, I was able to get out hunting, although I wasn't able to get a bird. Um, uh, I've been hearing about a lot of birds getting shot, and uh, when I've been out in the mornings and afternoons, I've been seeing a lot of turkeys, uh, especially out in the fields. So I think the toms are rearing and ready to go. We just gotta got to get out there and be in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's one of those things. Turkey hunting is, you know, you can you can have the best laid battle plan, and and uh, they're gonna they're gonna throw you the slip or they're gonna throw you a curveball. Uh, but yeah, it's it's I've noticed that too, Zach. When you mentioned that the the birds are coming out later in the evening. I mean, I've always been a 
early morning to midday hunter, but now that the hours are extended um, these days, the opportunities to, to shoot a bird late in the day, those birds are back out in those fields, but I usually see them between 5 and 6 o'clock at night. Yeah, it, it seems like they get out there right before they go back to their roost and kind of mosey on to go to bed. Um, but it's it's kind of crazy. You know, I guess like you said, I've I've always been a morning hunter, and I get out there right at the crack of dawn and i'm waiting you know for those gobbles i mean that's like one of the coolest things i think when you're out in the woods and it's still dark out and that first gobble just breaks the silence i love that um but getting out in the afternoons although i haven't really done it a whole lot i bet it'd be pretty pretty productive for some folks I think so. I think if you, you know, you, you've got a feeling of where those birds are, I don't I don't think they're as vocal, but if they've got a couple of areas that they've been frequenting, um, your chances are pretty good of, of, you know, being able to get a, you know, an opportunity to bag one of those because they're just, those toms are just following those hens around anyway, wherever they go, you know, wherever the hens go, they go. Yeah, absolutely. They're pretty much just waiting for the ladies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it seems like things are a little bit ahead of schedule um, this year in a lot of respects. And, and typically I'm seeing a lot of the, you know, the behavior out of these turkeys that I would normally see another week from now. But, you know, here we are in, in, the, in the second week and, you know, the opening of, of, of fishing just right around the corner. It's amazing um, how, how quickly uh, time flies. I mean, it, it, I remember doing this, um, you know, uh, these broadcasts in the past and then this year just seems everything is a lot more expedited and people are a lot more anxious to get out and fish. So, uh, with that being said, let's, let's talk about, you know, the opening, opening day of of fishing. Now, obviously you, you've probably been out and, and have been experiencing, you know, a a good flow of, of guys out there fishing now with the, with the walleye run and so on. Uh, you know, it's opening day used to be such a big celebrated thing. I don't see it as much, as it used to, and we'll get some opinions from, from our other guests as well, but, you know, do you see that it, that increase in activity for the opening weekend, or do you just see it just kind of carrying over from the walleye run? Well, honestly, Mark, um, the walleye run is already, I mean, it's been in full gear now for a while. I mean, people were catching fish mid to end of March down on the lower stretches of the river, and then it, uh, it really heated up you know, end of March, and it's almost started to, I mean, it's definitely started to taper off, at least uh, up towards Shyocton and down towards New London. Um, we're starting to see more white bass now. That's okay. been kind of the bigger thing lately. Um, and, we, I mean, if you, if you haven't been out for the walleye run, it's, there's a ton of people, and uh, if you can hit it just right, you'll catch a lot of fish. It happens pretty quick. You know, people sure. catching limits, they're three men, or three, uh, bag limit of uh walleye in an hour or two um so it can be it can be a lot of fun um but that being said it's it's been very busy and i think the run has at least the peak kind of come and gone um the opener is usually less of an event at least on the winnebago system just because people have been out fishing um pretty much constantly for the last you know month or two sure so, um, yeah, it's, it's not as big of a thing as I think it is up north. Sure. Um, and then also with this uh, this bass catch and release season, you know, people have been out fishing for bass 
um, probably since ice off. So sure. it is a little bit different than it used to be. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, you know, it's it's primarily those inland lakes, and then we have the trout fishing season uh, opening up as well. And you know, it's let's let's kind of start with the with the basics. You know, when we when we talk about fishing, what are the the requirements for you to actually go out and participate in this sport? So it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, basically, if you are 16 or older, you need a fishing license. Um, that's really probably the main thing. You know, besides all your your tackle and bait and stuff, um, just make sure you have a fishing license. That's that's about it, honestly. Um, as far as like regulations that we want to make sure and hammer home. Um, for the most part, I think one of the biggest things that I see is um, a uh, PFDs when you're out in a boat. We want everybody to be safe, so make sure everybody's carrying their their uh, wearable life jacket for each person in the boat. And then also um, make sure that you only have three lines in the water, uh, or three or less lines slash uh, hooks, baits, or lures in the water. Um, Let's see. And then, uh, oh, man, there's one more that's kind of escaping me. <laughs> like, you'll, you'll remember it. It'll, it'll come back to you. But, uh, um, you know, when it comes with the licenses, and there are different requirements. I mean, I believe the, the Wisconsin's pretty, you know, generous. You've got the, the first-time buyer. You know, if you haven't bought a license in forever or you're getting involved in the sport, there's a discounted price for that as well, Correct. Yeah, there is actually. Uh, I think it's five or so years, um, and I think it's like five to seven dollars. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty, pretty cheap. I mean, uh, generally they're right around twenty for a fishing license. Um, so if you haven't been out in a while, it's more than worth your time to just go buy the the annual fishing license for a few bucks and get the family out. Um, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Zach. That's that's cheap entertainment for for seven. You know, for the five dollars, and then the senior citizens, I believe, is seven dollars. Um, yep. There's then you've got the the husband and wife combination license, so you can do that as well. There's a lot of opportunities, and realistically, you know, with me having the opportunity to hunt and fish a lot across the uh, the country and Canada as well, Wisconsin is really not that expensive to to enjoy some of these outdoor sports especially fishing 20 bucks for the license and uh if you want to participate in trout fishing you need stamps with that as well correct correct yep you need you need your uh inland trout stamp for uh the trout fishing um we don't over and out of gamey county we don't have a ton of trout fishing i don't deal with it a whole lot Mm -hmm. Uh, if you move over towards uh like wapaka county uh, Warden John Kaiser, if you're familiar with him, he covers a lot of a trout ground over there with like the uh, the Wapaka River. I think he might have the Tomorrow River as well, and that kind of goes over towards Portage County. Um, but there can there's actually some pretty good trout fishing from what I hear over there. I I haven't done a lot myself. Um, I haven't done a lot of checking on folks in that area just because I don't I don't reach over that far but sure. uh from what i'm told it, it can be pretty darn good with some decent browns and brook trout and maybe a few rainbows oh yeah i mean this area here within an hour's drive of here are some of the 
some of the best uh, trout fishing, I think, in the state of Wisconsin. You can go all over the place and, and find some good streams, but, you know, you've got the McCann, you've got the White River, the Wadi, the Chafee, all these feeder creeks that are all part of this uh, system. And, yeah, I mean, some of the best brown trout fishing around, as far as I'm concerned. And, and people – now, when when can people have their license – um, can they have a picture of it on their phone, or do you require them to have that physical paper copy, Zach? So um, basically the license requirements are um, you can either show your license to us on a PDF on your phone, you can have the paper copy, um, or you can have um, a driver's license or a go-wild card. Um the only time that you would actually have to have a paper physical copy on you is if you're on boundary waters. So say you're on Lake Michigan, um, Lake Superior, or uh, the Mississippi, or any other, any other boundary waters. But if you're in Outagamie County for fishing, all you need is, is uh, the things I just mentioned. Sure. So one yep. of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, if you've got any questions or comments for us tonight, 281-1570. Or 866-653-1570. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, keep the emails coming to livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. So, you know, you got the, the licenses. Um, you're, you're all ready to go. We talked about some of the, you know, I think we'll talk about that before, um, you know, we, we cut you loose uh, uh, after the next segment, but with boating and so on. But um, some of the other things that, that is there any new changes uh, that people need to be aware of? I know you mentioned the three bag limit on walleyes. People should be associated with that now. But is there anything, Zach, um, that's new that people should be aware of before they hit the uh, hit the lakes this weekend? Um, honestly, not a whole ton. At least that's really all that new. I mean, there, like I mentioned earlier, we had um, the catch and release bass season. So that kind of started up, I think, last year or the year before. Um, but as far as getting out this weekend, uh, I think things are pretty much going to be status quo as far as if you've been fishing the last few years. Um, not too much changing. Um, I see in uh, in the regulations this year, they, uh, they always put, um, you know, new for uh, 2021, you know, mm-hmm. uh, kind of an at the beginning of the regulations so if you look in there uh it says uh lake lake trout season on lake michigan and uh the tributaries open march 1st and run through october 31st and the daily bag limit is two so that's changed okay um but here in outagamie county it's pretty much going to be the same so zach can you hear me this excellent this is randy uh i'm on the show with with mark here and well yeah. first of yeah, okay. Uh, first of all, uh, I had a warden move in across the street from me. His name is Jeff. Do you have any? Uh, oh yeah. Do you have any yeah, skeletons, skeletons in the closet you can let me know about <laughs> with my new neighbor? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a good friend of mine. So we uh, we work together quite a bit. He covers down in uh, Fremont. So. Okay. And, and then the question I had was. Isn't there uh, a lanyard you have to have on your boat hooked to you when the big motor's going, or is there some kind of new law like that, or did I read that wrong? I take it back. So, yes, there is a, a new law, federal, new federal law. So when you are moving at uh, faster than slow awake speeds, and if your boat is equipped with a lanyard, 
a uh, an automatic cutoff switch, uh, something you put around your wrist. You have to be wearing that on all federal waters, which Lake Winnebago, uh, Lake Poygan, Winnicani, um, all the way up to the dam in uh, uh, Shawano on the Wolf River is uh, federal waters. So if your boat's equipped with one of those uh, lanyards with a cutoff switch, you do have to be wearing it if you're going faster than the Solona Wake. Okay, thank you. Good question, Randy. <laughs> I'm Mark's well, favorite good. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my question? Yeah, did you All have right, a question, yeah, Steve? Absolutely. Steve Martinson's here joining us tonight as well. Steve's got a question for the warden. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, so I got a question. Uh, when I'm out guiding and I have some clients whose, let's just say, casting is not as accurate as I wish it was sometimes, and they end up hooking somebody's dock, Legally, can we step out of the boat onto their dock to unhook the lure without considered it trespassing? I mean, is that considered public domain because it's on the water? Mm-hmm. I th- that is a good question. I can't say I've ever gotten that question before. I would say, hmm, you know, I think I'd probably just have to look that one up. I would, <laughs> my knee-jerk reaction is no because it would be their dock. Right. Um. I mean, I would say best case scenario is you could get up to the to the dock with uh, with your boat, right. and just be able to unhook it from outside and not stepping on their dock. Right. But I'd have to double check to be honest with you. Yeah, um, it's just it's just sometimes they'll you know they cast and it's like all the way almost up by shore, and sometimes the only way you can get to it is to actually step out right. onto the dock. You know, but of course we do it with the utmost respect of their property and stuff. But I was just you know just wondering you know just just you know because it's a fine line you know so that is a good question, and yeah. I I can look that up and get back to you. Sure. Um, but I, to be honest, I can't give you an answer to that right okay. off the bat. No problem. When I, when I take my uh, grandkids fishing, I tell them, you know, this is not Christmas. You shouldn't be decorating these trees. With <laughs> <laughs> Do you get a lot of uh, a lot of complaints about that? You know, obviously, there's been a you know an increase of tournament fishing, and you know, guys, you know, working around people's docks and boat lifts and stuff like that. Do you get a lot of people who? You know, uh, don't prefer to have that happening. I don't. I, I I don't think I've ever gotten a complaint about it. I've never had anybody talk to me or, or express concerns about it. Um, I guess hence why I I guess I'm not really familiar with the exact laws that would surround that. I mean, it sure. it maybe be like trespassing, but no. I don't know that it would because it's appears on the water, which is right. is like in the state of Wisconsin. And it's kind of an extension, I don't know, seen as kind of an extension of the shoreline. So I don't know. I don't know. I'll, yeah. I'll have to double check. But, no, I've, I've never had anybody approach me and, and uh, say anything about that. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting, and like Steve said, I mean, it's those of us who are, who are doing that are always going to be respectful of people's property. And it's just, uh, you know, something if you're conscientious enough, you kind of want to know, well, what can I and what can't I do? And, and I guess that's one of those things that uh, – a good question, Steve. By yeah. the way, that uh, you know is probably uh, would would be deserving of some kind of answer. But uh, we appreciate that. And and let's talk a little bit about before we go ahead and take our first break. Let's talk a little bit about um, invasive species and and how people need to be paying attention to that, Zach. Yeah. So I mean, one of the biggest things that we see as far as invasive species is uh, folks backing into the water, say uh, a lake, 
and uh, having weeds growing right next to the bolt launch and then getting a bunch of weeds on your trailer when you pull out. Um, so the rules and regulations as far as that is just to make sure that we clean off our boats. Um, we want to also drain the water out of our live wells. Um, so even if we have, you know, a, a couple walleyes or some panfish in the live well, we still do need to drain that water. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because we can't take water from one water body to another, and we also can't remove fish, live fish, from a water body. And if they're in the water, they're considered to be alive. Um, so if we, I guess, say, take this scenario, if we were to um, take fish or uh, take a, a boat out of a, out of a lake and have uh, aquatic vegetation or weeds on the trailer, and then, you know, it's only noon, so we decide to go to another lake. Um, what will happen is if those, those weeds go from uh, one lake to another and they're, you know, certain invasive species, they can spread from, from one lake to another. And then uh, instead of just having one lake full of the invasives, it would be, you know, two lakes and, and so on. Um, and some of these are, are pretty, pretty, I guess, uh, pretty spreadable because... Um, even they can sit in uh, just uh, small amounts of water. So uh, the water in your live well, if you fill it up from the lake that you're in, um, even uh, releasing that water into a separate lake after you've switched lakes that could transport things um, such as uh, zebra mussels, sure. which if you've ever been on a lake with zebra mussels or swam in a lake with zebra mussels, you know why... Um, those are bad because they'll they'll cut up your feet and it's it's really no fun. No, they're like they're like little mini <laughs> razor blades. All right, well listen, yes, we're going to go ahead. It's... Yeah, for sure. All right, well listen, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on the Score. All right, welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on the Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. And before we get rocking and rolling on our next segment here, uh, again, I want to tell you about my uh, friends, Greg and Ryan over at Evergreen Power. Uh, I went and bought a, an Ego chainsaw from them, and I loved it so much, I went back and actually bought one of their, one of their Ego blowers. And, and I'll tell you what, they are some of the best people to deal with. And if you're looking for you know, a new lawnmower or some new, um, some new garden tools and chainsaws, these guys do a great job over there and they've got you know they're offering uh rebates on their time cutter zero turn uh with my ride suspension you get a 200 dollars instant rebate and take you can also take advantage of their 36 months zero percent financing on select toro mowers and uh you can check out the new titan max i'll post up a picture of that i was sitting in that one it's uh, probably the biggest lawnmower i've ever sat in but it's a 60 inch 26 horsepower heavy duty mower and they're running that at, at $59.99. I wish I had a lawn big enough for that. Uh, I'll tell you what, that would be fun to ride. But um, And that's a great buy. For commercial cutting, there's the Toro 4000 Series Z Master, and it's game on. Also, the money-back guarantee, uh, you buy something from Evergreen Power, and if you're not 100% happy with it, uh, they'll exchange it for something else or get your money back. I, I don't know about you, but you can't beat a, a guarantee like that. So and now that winter is over, get your snow-throwing equipment serviced and stored at Evergreen for the summer. They'll be ready to go next winter. And Evergreen Power is at Highway 41 and N, across from Trigger Action Sports. 
the sales and service people there are just absolutely outstanding. And uh, with them being a Toro, you can count on them 100%. And they're also looking for a couple of people as well, looking for a uh, service writer advisor and someone who's customer-oriented experience in outdoor power equipment is preferred, but they're willing to train the right person. They're also looking for a small engine mechanic. Uh, someone with past experience uh, is in the shop with small, en- uh, with small engines is preferred. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I, if I was a, a power small engine mechanic, I'd want to work there. These guys are just awesome. They're great people. So check out my friends, Greg and Ryan, at Evergreen Power, and uh, you, will not, you will not be disappointed. All right, so back to the show. We've got Warden Zach Seitz on with us tonight. And, uh, Zach, uh, we got another question from Steve Mortensen here, and he's going to go ahead. Steve, what do you got? Uh, a uh, quick question. I didn't know if, if this is uh, – I guess we're doing what we call, we're calling this stump the game warden question time right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, – so, we'll got an answer for you. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so this one is in, in regards to back to the invasive species. Uh, when I'm leaving a lake, do I legally have to – pull my drain plug from the boat as I'm driving and trailering from one lake to another lake. Because uh, I've been told that you have to have your drain plug, you know, opened up on your boat. So you do if there's water in it. Okay. Um, basically, I would say to be safe, yep. yeah, you might as well pull okay. it. Yeah. Um, I know it kind of- it kind of sucks when you forget to put it back in and you, you drop your boat and you're wondering why your boat, uh, why your boat's sinking. But, gotcha. um, yeah, you, you really should pull it just in okay. case there is uh, gotcha. some water that got inside because transporting sure. water is illegal from one okay. lake to another. Gotcha. Gotcha. That answers that. So I guess I didn't stump you. So (laughs) he he had that one for you. He had that one for you. Um, And Zach, let's talk about, you know, obviously talked about licensing. What are some of the basic uh, requirements that people need to be aware of? Like how many rods can they use? Is there restriction on bait? Let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's all that important, but I think it really is. Yeah. um, So basically, each person can have their three rods out, or uh, I think it's worded three hooks, baits, or lures. So um, one common question that we get is, um, you know, can I have three rods out but then have two baits on each rod? Um, so basically how that works is each person can have three lures. So if you've got um, uh, one rod with, with three lures on it, uh, whether you're uh, you're popping flies and you got a you got a fly at uh, you know one foot off the bottom, three foot off the bottom, and five foot off the bottom, that would be your three lines, your three baits. So in that case, you could only have one rod. Okay. Um, you could have two rods and one with two baits and one with one bait on it, um, or you could just have three rods with one bait apiece. Uh, you can have any combination, however you want to do it, whatever type of fishing you're doing. Um, you can kind of mix and match to, to make it work and make it legal. Um, another question we get is, you know, a lot of crankbaits have two hooks on them. Uh, does that count as two baits? Um, and no, it doesn't because, uh, it's only meant to catch one fish. So, uh, there's a difference between having, uh, two flies, one at one foot and one at three foot off the bottom. You know, because that's going to catch two fish versus a crankbait is only made to catch one. Okay. Um, as far as uh, using bait, 
when you're out fishing, um, generally you want to go out and get that bait from, uh, from your local bait shop because they are bait dealers and they uh, have minnows and, and other baits that are, you know, taken from known sources where we're not going to be spreading uh, disease or uh, different uh, nasty things to the lakes that we're going out and fishing. Um, obviously we want, all want to take care of the lakes and make sure that they're healthy and we don't want to spread those invasive species. So buying from, uh, bait dealers really helps that out. Perfect. Perfect. And, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, bait, that's another thing too. You shouldn't be taking and dumping your, your minnows or letting those things escape into the, uh, into the lakes as well. Correct. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be dumping all your leftover minnows into the water um you know a lot of these fish aren't necessarily um native or have big populations um so obviously they're not things not minnows that are going to be detrimental to the lakes that we're using them in because obviously you know we've all had a minnow fly off the hook when you cast it and that sort of thing so if they do escape it's not the end of the world but we don't want to be you know replenishing them and, and putting them into the lakes sure hey i want to uh, i got a question here from uh, bob here at appleton he wants to know if uh if you know obviously the the goby invasive species is an issue if you should catch one what do you do with this fish so at this point um we are unaware of any gobies in the winnebago system um, but if you go down, uh, I think it's beneath the Menasha locks. So yep. down into the Fox river, they're pretty mm-hmm. prevalent uh, into, you know, Lake Michigan. There's, there's quite a few of them around. Mm-hmm. Um, really what we want to see people doing with those is, I mean, either you could release them or you could kill them and, um, you know, make sure you're putting them in, in a trash can or something. We don't, we don't want people or what we don't want people doing is, taking them out of one water body and putting them in, uh, you know, their, their minnow bucket and then like putting them in their fish tank at home and keeping them alive or, um, using them as bait. We don't want to see people using them as bait. Even if, even if you're using them at the same place that you caught them, um, gobies are invasive and we, we, we don't want, I guess, just to cover our bases. We don't want people using them as bait because it might encourage, folks to go from one spot you know on the fox river and go to the wolf river using gobies and and um that could spread them and like i said as of now we're not aware of any in the winnebago system so we're hoping to keep it that way because it would have uh certainly negative effects if they were to get into the winnebago system Sure. And while you're talking about, you know, using other fish species for bait, is that legal? You know, if you catch a perch or a bluegill or sunfish, is that legal uh, to use for bait? Yes. Yes, it is. So um, if I were to catch a uh, a bluegill or a perch or, or like you said, um, I could use that as bait for, say, pike or bass or um, walleye. Uh, you just have to make sure to count it towards your daily bag limit. Um, so if you were theoretically, cause there's, uh, there's size limits on bass and pike, 
um, say you wanted to catch a really, really big catfish, right? And I've, I've heard of, of catfish biting on some big fish, you know, 15, 20 inch fish, you know, whether it be a bass or a pike. Um, you could also use those as bait so long as they are a legal size. So the bass being 14 inches and, uh, the pike 26 inches, at least on the Winnebago system. Um, so I guess the, the short answer is yes, you can use species for bait or diff, uh, fish that you catch for bait, mm-hmm. but you got to make sure that they are a legal fish to catch and they have to be counted towards your daily bag limit. Perfect, perfect. That makes sense. Uh, what about crayfish and or frogs? I know that Wisconsin has a frog season. Are those legal um, with the proper um, licenses to use as bait as well? Yes. So frogs, I believe the uh, the daily bag limit or the the possession limit is five. I'd have to look that up though. No. I don't run into that whole yeah. lot. It's five. Yes, you can use frogs. <laughs> yeah, five frogs. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Um, See, so yeah, you can use frogs, and then um, crayfish. You can use dead, rusty crayfish, and then other crayfish like. Uh, uh, the red swamp crayfish, you can't use at all because they're uh, a prohibited species and you can't even um, really have them in the state because we don't want folks to spread them because they could be very detrimental if they were um, released or did, if they did get off your hook. Um, sure. The rusty crayfish, on the other hand, they're in a lot of places already. So, Sure. That uh, makes perfect sense. Um, on the other hand, too, I want to talk a little bit about turtles. I mean, obviously, when I was a kid, we used to catch turtles and collect turtles and all that kind of stuff. Any, is there any um, regulations uh, that need to be adhered to when you're talking about catching turtles? Yes. So uh, for snapping turtles, I believe uh, the size limit is uh, between a 12 and 16-inch carapace, which is... The distance between uh, the front of, she- front of the shell and the back of the shell. Um, and the season, I believe, starts on uh, July 15th. Let me just double-check that for you guys. Yeah, we got to get rid of some of those snapping turtles. Some of the lakes I guide on, those things are enormous you oh. know it looks like some of them are 50 to 100 pounds oh, oh all of that yeah. when we were kids we used to catch them on the milwaukee river and we used to bring them home in the coaster wagon <laughs> and my friend's mom would make turtle soup oh, wow and that is absolutely huh. delicious you would think a creature that's that <laughs> ugly would taste that good wow. but snapping turtles I mean, you take a look, that's a slow-growing creature. Oh, sure. You know, you take a look at some of those bigger turtles, it's kind of like, I, I look at things like that when you touch a big tree or you touch something that's been around forever, it's like touching a time machine. <laughs> you know, what, what, how long has this turtle been here and, and survived? You know, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy because they used to come up on the lawn to lay their eggs, oh. and the neighbors hated it. <laughs> you know, you'd find these big holes dug in the, wow. in the lawn and so on, but uh, boy, mm. that was good eating. Yeah, so um, the turtle season runs from July 15th through November 30th. Huh. Okay. And that's for uh, uh, the snapping turtles and I believe also soft-shell turtles. 
Soft shells. Um, I see. A, I see a lot more of the snapping turtles, though, yeah. uh, like you guys are saying, and they they get pretty darn big. Yeah, um, they do. Painted turtles, you can't catch those, can you? No. Okay, I don't no. think so. No. Yeah, and, and like I mentioned, the uh, the snapping turtle size limit is uh, 12 inch minimum and a maximum of uh, 16. Perfect. Yeah, oh, I, so, 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 can we go noodling for them in Wisconsin? Is that a thing in Wisconsin? Noodling? Yeah. Uh, that's a good idea. You should definitely go noodling for the for the snapping <laughs> turtles. You might have uh, a few less fingers. Yeah, I would think that would probably be extremely dangerous since those things have jaws like steel. I mean, we used to put broom handles up. Oh yeah, and they'd bite onto that onto that broom handle. And I'll tell you what, they would not let go. you break it in half. Yeah, it, they would not let go for, for anything. And some of them were just, yeah. they, they were so covered with moss. Yep. And, I mean, who knows how long they're they've been laying in the mud. But uh, <laughs> we cool were, creatures nonetheless. We were doing a show with that Steve Jordan that was here last week. Yeah. And I hooked a, a fish down deep in the bottom of a brush pile, and I could not get that fish out of there. So... Got kept the cameras running. I took off all my clothes except for my skivvies, and I dove down, followed that line down, and I was hoping it was a fish. Reached down, reached down. Thank goodness it was a catfish and not a turtle. Like <laughs> we were talking about. Pulled that back up, and the, that was kind of a big old uh, channel cat. Wow, so. that's awesome. All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on the Score. Welcome back to the Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score, brought to you by our friends at Fleet Farm. Stop in at Fleet Farm today or shop online to get the best fishing gear and equipment around. Fleet Farm has your bait, lures, and fishing tackle. Get everything you need for this upcoming weekend before it all disappears. Fleet Farm is open Monday through Saturday, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., and Sundays, 8 to 6. So thanks to our friends at Fleet Farm. Uh, for uh, sponsoring this program. We certainly do appreciate that. But uh, um, we are here till 7 o'clock. It is a two-hour celebration of the upcoming fishing opener uh, this weekend, which I believe is May 1st. And I've got Warden Zach Seitz. And, Zach, before we cut you loose, um, I do want to touch on some of the boating regulations. I think it's important for people to have that little bit of a refresher of what are some of the important things you need to go over and make sure you have before you drop your boat in the water. Yeah, so some of the, the really big things to have out on your boat are, uh, A, PFDs. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, for, uh, I guess, any boat, whether you're in a, uh, a kayak, a, you know, 20-foot Lund, or whether even, even if you're in a, uh, in a tube floating down the river, or if you are on one of those uh, uh, paddle boards, I think they call them, like a big old stand-up surfboard, um, you do need to have life jackets with you, uh, wearable life jackets. So we want to make sure that uh, we have at least one life jacket uh, for each person. So obviously, uh, if you have a baby along, you want a life jacket for the baby. Uh, and if you have uh, an adult, then you have to have a life jacket that would um, fit that adult. Okay. Um, so make sure you have your life jackets. And then uh, another big thing that we see is um, boat lights. Um, it's probably not the thing that you're thinking of when you're going out at, at noon and it's bright and sunny out, 
But uh, when folks end up staying out on the water until it gets dark out, um, you do have to have lights on your boat. Um, And the requirement is uh, sunset to sunrise, you'd have to have those lights on. So if you're anchored and just sitting in one spot, you got to have that back white light on. Um, And if... If you're moving, you got to have that front green and red light on as well, um, and that's on the powered vessels. So uh, if you're in just a kayak or if you're on a paddleboard, you just have to have um, a flashlight that you can use or a white light that you can use if there's a boat coming towards you. Um, I think the safest thing would be to have uh, uh, a white light all around, so that people could see you at, at all times, but uh, the requirement is just to have that white light if you're on a unpowered vessel like a kayak or a paddleboard okay. at night. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, and I guess the last thing I would mention would be uh, a fire extinguisher. So if you have a powered vessel, uh, one with an engine on it, and then that also has uh, compartments that fumes, uh, gas fumes could get stuck in, you have to have a a uh, fire extinguisher. So make sure you're, make sure you're carrying all that stuff and make sure you're thinking ahead. Perfect. So that, all good things to be aware of and it's like you know we talk about it, you know, every year at this time, you know, when the boating season starts, you know, have your own checklist, go through all of your things, making sure your battery cables, your lights are functioning, you got your registration, you got your stickers on, all that kind of great stuff. And I've got one more question for for you, Zach, from Steve. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, uh, actually, I got two quick questions. Uh, you made me think of a, a few things. Um, as far yeah. as uh, your PFDs, is there a way that sh- shouldn't we be checking those? To let's say you have one that's twenty years old, or you know, it's a really old PFD. Is there a way to check that? Uh, do you sque- somebody told me you can squeeze it or something to see if you hear air coming out of it to make sure that it's actually a legal, you know, and usable PFD. Yeah, so um, I don't know that there's really a way that you per se, like, you know, throw it in the water and see if it floats. But um, basically, if you look at it and there's rips, tears, a bunch of stains, if it's falling apart, um, I would say that's not serviceable. Gotcha. So uh, if it's old, nasty looking, has rips and tears in it, definitely, you know, buy a new one. Gotcha. And uh, we generally do check for that when we uh, are going around checking life jackets and people's boats. Sure. Um, if somebody shows me a life jacket that's old and tattered and nasty, you know, we we usually uh, uh, end up giving them a new one and tell them that they're right. going to have to or yep. lend them a different one and gotcha. then uh, tell them that they're going to have to buy yep. one. Yeah, so. well, speaking of that, you guys actually have that, that lend program, don't you, for, for fishing tackle, life jackets. I see that at some of the boat launches now. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a lot of our state parks have uh, fishing loaner programs. Yep. Um I believe High Cliff does, and I, I know that uh, the Kettle Moraine uh, Northern Unit did. Um, and then uh, a lot of the boat launches you'll actually see, like, um, yeah, I'm sure you've seen the uh, Kids Don't Float yep. um, Life Jacket Loaner program, which yep. is also great because yep. um, I'm sure that saves a lot of people where you forget one or you didn't think <laughs> of it before you drove all the way to the fishing uh spot and, yep. and you yep. end up grabbing yep. one right before yep. you go. So. Yeah, yeah. My other quick question was uh based back to the light 
uh, having lights on your boat. Now, you said when the boat is moving, are you talking just the combustion engine that you need to have? Let's say I'm just going along with my trolling motor because I'm a bass fisherman and I'm throwing a, casting a spinnerbait. I have to have that back white light on for sure if it's, you know, if it's right. that proper time. But how about the front light, the, the red and green? So if you're moving, yeah, you would want to have that on. Just with the electric yep. trolling motor, you need that. Okay. Uh, if you're motoring, moving, yep. traveling, you would have to have that on. Okay. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. There we go. I think we got a lot uh, covered here, Zach. I sure appreciate you uh, taking the time, uh, you know, to help us out here and get everybody fired up and get everybody aware of what's going on for the upcoming uh, opener this Saturday. So uh, look forward to having you on again next month, and uh, thanks for taking the time and join us. Yeah, not a problem, guys. Uh, feel free to, to ask me any other questions, whether it be through a phone call or email or whatever. And uh, I just hope everybody's safe out there and enjoy the fishing. Hopefully it'll be a nice weekend. All right, Zach. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. Yep. Talk to you later. You bet. Warden Zach Seitz taking the time to join us here on Living the Outdoors. And uh, it is now time to kind of bring in my other two guests. I've got Randy. Walking Eagle Williams. <laughs> yeah, there's a story there. <laughs> yeah, that's a story for you. I got Steve Mortensen here from Anglin Adventures. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing great. Good, good. It's uh, great to have you guys. Thanks for, for uh, joining me here and, and uh, help us celebrate the upcoming uh, fishing opener. And Before we get into the fishing thing, though, we are kind of... Steve, you're not so much a turkey hunter. Nope. Okay, Randy and Randy and I are kind of diehard turkey hunters. <laughs> and uh, um, have you had any luck this year? Uh, my season is next weekend. Next week. Next week. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Third week. Third week. Yeah. Okay. That's that was always a good week for me. I always picked third week. I shot probably eighty percent of the turkeys that I've harvested in that week. But what I've been uh-huh. doing is getting the second period on the draw, and then get a third period on a. Oh, on the leftover. Okay, sure. If you, you know, if you're quick, you can get. If that. you're quick, yeah. They went like really super fast this year, uh-huh. and I think, I think there's a lot more turkey hunters now than than there have been in the past. I know last year was like that with COVID. A lot of the high school kids that would normally not be able to hunt probably had an opportunity to hunt, mm-hmm. you know, and get out there and, and do a little bit more. But um, um, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna ask you a question that came in from a listener. After you answer that question, we're going to go out and take a break, and we're going to come back. So uh, I've got a question here uh, from Gus. He says, ask Randy when he might be releasing his next book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could, you, could you mention to Gus? See, I teach a uh, handsome class, and Gus has missed the last several sessions. So <laughs> mention that to him for me. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, right. hope you're listening, Gus, and that, that, that's your answer. So obviously <laughs> you've, you've gotten two books under your belt, and we're going to talk about that. Do you have plans for another one? Uh, not really. No? That, no, not really. You just got to have more stuff happen before you can write yeah, another yeah. one, right? My books are about dumb stuff I've done. And you I need to fish with me more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get some dumb stuff out of the way there. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's the fun thing. You know, that I think is one of the coolest things about, you know, outdoor adventures. It's stuff happens. Some of it's absolutely downright hilarious. I can't believe this is happening to me. And some of it's a little bit more serious, but stuff happens. Mm-hmm. It just is. Yes, it you know, you yeah. and I always looked at it this way. You know, you are putting yourself at a little bit more at risk. 
you know, when you if you're riding a bike or you're hiking or uh, duck hunting, grouse hunting, all these things, you're kind of increasing your odds of something happening. You know, you can trip and fall and break your ankle or fall in the water. This a lot of those things, but. Um, anyway, it's it's you are putting yourself a little bit more at risk, so it's we have to take care of ourselves a little bit more. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take another break, and when we come back, we're going to really get into some of this uh, some of this local Wisconsin fishing here. So we're going to go ahead, and we'll be back here shortly. Stay tuned to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show right here on the Score. Welcome back. Fleet Farms Living Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druk. We are here for another hour celebrating the upcoming opening fishing season this Saturday. Uh, thanks again to Warden Zach Seitz for helping us uh, get ready for that as well. I've got uh, Randy Williams joining me. I've got Steve Mortensen here. And if you have questions or comments for myself or either of my guests, call us at 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. We'd love to hear from you. You can email me at livingtheoutdoorswi@gmail.com, and please uh, follow me on Instagram. It's Outdoors Living The. And I just posted something up there from this morning. But Randy, we we're talking about turkey hunting, and um, I was uh, I was lucky today. Yeah, I wanted to hear the whole story. I didn't let him talk until we got to the radio time. I want to hear <laughs> step by step on your turkey. It was great. I I, I reached out to Steve. Our, our mutual friend Steve Jordan, and he's such a gracious man, and and I've known uh, him and yourself for for many years. And I'm like, hey, you know, I didn't really have a place to go, and I'm like, hey, can you, you know, somebody that you know might let me on? Or and Carl said, call him, call Steve. He's got, he could probably get you hooked up with somebody. And Steve's like, absolutely, I got a spot for you. Had the bird scouted out, and uh, finally made arrangements, and he uh, he met me this morning. You know, drove me out to the to the property and he said you know here's where the birds are here's what they're doing doesn't mean they're going to do that but here's what they've been doing and and uh got set up and you know waited for that you know that magic time and it's the key i think when you're hunting this early is you got to get in there when it's really dark mm -hmm. you know because there's no leaves on the trees and they can see everything so we got in there real early and i got set up and it uh it was no no gobbles, no gobbles. And then the robins start. <laughs> and all the other birds start. Then the wood ducks start. And everything's going on. I'm like, huh, maybe they're, maybe they're roosting somewhere else. All of a sudden, he just, he went off. One gobble in a tree. That's the key right there. The yeah. Gobbling. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. yeah. He, he went off, and I gave him a couple of tree yelps. He flew down. He gobbled again. I didn't hear a, a, another gobble after that. Nothing. And uh, Steve texts him. He goes, "How's it going?" I like, "Hey, there's a bird in here." I said, "It's he's off with some hens. I can tell he's with hens because he just went the opposite direction." He said, "Be patient. He'll come back around." Well, about got to be about eight thirty or so, and I see the hen come across this field, probably four hundred yards away, and she comes across, and I get the binoculars out. I go, "There has to be." They're just and also there he comes, and he's working across that field real slow, real slow. He got to the edge of the field, and I just I cut loose on him. I just <clears throat> I was cutting and just loud yelping and giving him everything I could. You got a mouth call or a box I was call? using a slate call. Oh, a slate. Okay. I'm a slate guy. Okay. I just love the the call of a slate. Um, I use mouth calls and box calls. I like to use different ones. 
you know, to make different sounds. But as soon as he hit that tree line, he just started gobbling. Randy, he must have gobbled 100 times. Oh, that's awesome. And then he, he's coming, he's coming. I'm like, I, he's getting closer. He's getting closer. And all of a sudden, boom, I can see his little white melon. And he's probably 60, 70 yards, but he's in the, he's in the woods. And he's just gobbling like crazy. He knew there was a hen there. Couldn't see anything. But he knew that hen was there. And he wasn't, he wasn't coming on a dead run. He, he just uh, came in and did his thing and, and uh, ended up uh, getting him close enough. And he stopped like three times. And, and stopped. He got up on top of a log <laughs> and, and looked around and gobbled, got back down. Once he got off that log... He came around a big tree. He was about 30 yards, and uh, he looked at those decoys, and he stuck his head up, and I go, it's go time. Here you go. <laughs> yep, and I let him have it. But um, what a great hunt. And, again, uh, thank you so much, Steve. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I just enjoyed myself. You have no idea how much so what, that meant So what county were you in? Out of gaming. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, Steve was probably in that big tower of his above his house watching the whole thing. Too. Yeah, he might have been. He might have been. <laughs> All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take a, another break here. When we come back, we're going to have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. Hey, this is John Gillespie with Waters and Woods TV. Welcome to another hour of Living the Outdoors with Mark Druick here on The Score. From the Fast Sign Studios, more than fast, more than signs. It's Living the Outdoors with Mark Druitt, presented by Fleet Farm. Be part of the show by calling 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. Now, here's your host, Mark Druitt. All right, welcome back to Fleet Farm's Living the Outdoors show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druitt. Remember, stop in at Fleet Farm for all of your fishing needs. They're going to have all your fishing gear from bait lures tackle everything you need for the fishing season coming up this saturday get it before it disappears fleet farm is open monday through saturday 7 a.m to 8 p.m and sunday 8 to 6. so welcome back we are here for another hour in celebration of the upcoming fishing opener happening this saturday and uh, zach seitz was joining us here uh, earlier in the broadcast to get us up to speed and what we need to be ready for for the uh, fishing season. I've got Randy Williams with me. Steve Mortensen is here as well. If you have any questions or comments, 281-1570 or 866-653-1570, we would love to hear from you. So back at you, Randy. Um, you know, we kind of, uh, um, again, thanks to Steve. I mean, one hell of a guy. He, he got me on the, put me in the right spot, and uh, I am so grateful for that. Hey, uh, this is an, another Steve story, and it's turkey hunting, but it's, more than turkey hunting. I, I went, he, he put me in a stand a couple years ago, and then he went to another stand uh, 80 yards away, and he said, oh, by the way, see the corner there where the tree is, right by that corner, he says, about 9 o'clock, I want you to watch that area. I thought, well, okay, what the heck, you know, and I, I, is a turkey going to come or what? <laughs> I'll be darned. And the albino robin shows up about 8.30, right where he said. Really? Awesome? Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's a, I mean, that's turkey hunting. You get all kinds of stuff going on. So That is the coolest thing. I mean, the hunting part of it is one thing, but you get so tuned in to what's going on around you. Um, you know, back in the day when I used to run and gun, I still like to do that a little bit now. 
But you're sitting so still. I've had I've had chickadees land on my gun barrel. I've had snakes go across my boots. I've had spiders crawl on me. I've had hawks land in the tree right above my head. That's the the exciting aspect of that is you get so integrated into your environment. You just like you just blend right into everything. Yeah. But an albino robin. That's yeah. that's pretty yeah. cool. I mean, it's, that's what you're looking at when you when you do go turkey and all kinds of stuff can happen. Yeah, I mean, you you know you don't know what you're going to see. Fishers, um, I've had fishers come by me. I've had, uh, um, you know, like I said, owls, deer, all kinds of birds, all that kind of cool stuff. The world's coming back to life. Yeah. You know. You said, too, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. Sometimes everything's just set up perfect, and the bird's coming in, and a coyote will come out of nowhere and chase the flock away. Well, <laughs> I mean, you never know what's going to happen. No, you don't. Uh, and that's, you know, I've, I've, I've mentored people over the years, and, have set them up in, in, you know, 20 minutes we were done. They go, wow, that's easy. I'm like, no. <laughs> <clears throat> it does not happen like that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, back to fishing. Randy, you know, obviously you are, uh, you know, a, a, a well-noted fishing guy. You love to fish on the river. How was the walleye season, uh, walleye run this year? Well, I had a little bit of a snafu. My wife wanted to spend an extra two weeks in Arizona because the flight back would be a couple dollars cheaper. So oh. I spent two weeks extra in Arizona, and all uh, winter long, I'm sending my, my fishing buddies pictures of the thermometer, 80 degrees, sunshine. <laughs> well, this spring, I got all kinds of pictures of walleyes that, to, to get back at me, you know, like, so there, what do you think of that? And then uh, I talked to that uh, Jeff, the warden, who lives across the street from me a little sure. bit when I got back, and he said, this was an interesting year because uh, I can... He says, I can kind of tell when I come up to a boat if the guys are good fishermen or if they're just kind of, you know, pleasure boaters or what's going on. But I can kind of tell. He said, there was about three days this year on the walleye run. Didn't matter what kind of fisherman you were, everybody had a limit of walleyes. Really? So it was just a phenomenal year. That was interesting. My, my son said, too, he said, the, the best walleye run this year ever. Wow. So, yeah. That's, that's good news. Uh-huh. And I mean, there's, there's still got to be fish in there. Well, I, I could do a little bragging now, right? That, yeah, that's you, what absolutely. That's what this is all about. Brag away. <laughs> Brag away. The, 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 everybody said, you know, the, the fishing kind of tapered off when I got here. And then the guys were dragging the crawlers, and then they're bouncing the jigs, and I got my flies that I always talk about. And I just had some fantastic luck. And those guys just watched me pulling fish after fish using those flies because – they work. They, mm-hmm. There's just something about it. I, I, it's, my favorite walleye white bass way to fish right now is flies. Uh, I've got a lot of fish. One fish on a jig, all the rest have been on flies. Even yeah. though the water temperature, like you said, it was below, uh, uh, below 50, 50 degrees. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that's usually too cold for flies, but yeah, they were biting. That's awesome. Hey, I just got a, got a note here that we've got Nick on the line. Uh, Nick, how you doing? Good. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, man. Thanks for listening. What can we do for you? So I have a fishing question um, about the Fox River. Um, I do a lot of smallmouth fishing, a lot of kayak fishing from Appleton to Kakana and Wrightstown. Sure. Um, and I just started fishing here in April for the first time really early, and the bite is on. And uh, there's a lot of big uh, three- to four-pound smallmouth in there. But uh, basically my question was, do you guys know the migration pattern of the fish all the way up to Green Bay throughout the year? Um, what, is, what is that like? Because in the summer, 
it slows down a lot, but April, May, June, the fish are there. But in the summer, they seem like they, do they travel north and, and leave the, the valley? Yeah, that's a good question. Steve, you want to tackle that <laughs> yeah, one? Yeah, I don't, honestly, um, I don't fish up there a lot, but I have a few times. And if it's like any other river system for smallmouth bass, uh, they're going to do just like they do in any other system. Some are going to stay shallow. Some are going to stay, stay deep. Uh, they're not going to go farther than they have to go for their food source. You know, there's no reason for them to travel. You know, they're they're not like migrating, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 miles. You know, they're, they're going to stay in that general area. Uh, a lot of times in the summertime, I would basically focus on little eddies that you can find. And if, like, if you're struggling in June and July and August, try that little deeper edge, you know, anywhere from 12 to 15 feet, I would think, uh, you know, a little deeper than probably what you're used to fishing, you know, because right now, you know, all these fish are going to be moving shallow. I'm, I'm sure you're fishing, you know, a lot of rocky shorelines right now and finding some pretty good fish. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, I've been really curious the past five years I've been fishing it is, do they stay around? Like, uh, you know, the Thousand Islands, get Kona, that's a really good spot. Yep. Do they stay there? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't believe, I don't, I, I would not think that they're not going to go far. They're not going to leave. They're, they're, as, like I said, as long as they have a food source there, if you're seeing signs of, you know, crayfish and minnows and some torp type of forage for them, those fish are going to stick around all year. There you go. There awesome. you go, Nick. Awesome. Well, I'm, cool. we're glad that you're having such good luck. Uh, good luck fishing. You That's need to awesome. take me out fishing, man. Let's go. Yeah, out. <laughs> yeah I'm. Uh, I, I fish all the locks and dams, and I'm probably there's no other kayakers out there, so I got wow. all the fish to myself. So I'm, I'm willing to share my spots. <laughs> well, good for you, man. That's a great attitude to have because all this stuff doesn't belong to just anybody. It belongs yep. to everybody. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Nick. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate you listening. Thank you. Well, let's let's go right to you, um, you know, Steve, with sure. that with that type of, you know, with with the smallmouth and and the bass fishing and so on. Obviously, you know, with the Fox River and and the Wolf River, there's some pretty sustainable population of bass in there. Yeah, they they are actually starting to come back from what I've been noticing. Uh, you know, the Winnebago system's gone up and down. It's had phenomenal years about four or five years ago, and then the last couple of years it kind of slowed off. But uh, I think this year's just going to be an unbelievable year to catch some. I mean, you got a trophy potentials, you know, size smallmouth on, on the Winnebago system, especially in the river system, too. And the nice thing about the river, it's not affected as much by weather conditions. The fish are a lot more stable in rivers than they are on lakes. So Very if you're struggling on a lake hit the river <laughs> you know sure <laughs> yeah. sure yep. it, it's uh you know i never would have thought when i first moved up here um that there would have been that type of fishery in in the fox river but i've been enlightened by a lot of local anglers that said just how good that really is yeah one of the little hidden gems in our area is little lake butamore little lake butamore if you ever fish little lake butamore it's an unbelievable smallmouth fishery because a lot of those smallmouth they're coming down you know, from, from Green Bay, you know, they're getting through. And some of them, I know that's, I think that has a big impact on what's happened to the whole Winnebago system as some of those smallmouth have gotten through. So we're getting those, those strains, you know, or, you know, the strand of those, those big door county sturgeon smallmouth. I think some of those, you know, they're, they're getting through our system, you know, and hmm. uh, I swear that that's, that's a big part of it. That's awesome. Why we're seeing some giant fish. I mean, last year I was catching lots of 20 inch smallmouth on out on Lake Winnebago all summer long. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know that from my own experience with the largemouth population, 
have watched that <clears throat> grow considerably, you know, over the years where you'd catch one or two. Now I can be out on my, on my dock, and they're just, <laughs> like, cruising. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, there'll be two of them, three of them, and, and I mean, I've caught some in that 20-inch range. And, uh, you know, then you got the small ones, you got the medium-sized ones. So that, that population is doing quite well. But you take a look at Winnebago. I mean, the forage base that's in there. Right now the lake flies are hatching, which right. is a little bit early. But yep. the forage base there is just tremendous. Yeah. I know years ago the, uh, the gizzard shed population was, was huge. You know, I mean, you could literally just see just millions of them everywhere. And I have not seen many gizzard shed hmm. the last several years. Really? Yeah. Because um, I used to throw like a white swim jig, you know, that was about the same size, you know, a little two, three inch white swim jig is the size of the gizzard shad. I'd swear every time you catch a, a smallmouth, it'd be spitting up gizzard shad. I haven't had that happen in years. I I'll just saw done. a chart on, for the trawlers and stuff. And the gizzard, just like you said, the gizzard shad dropped right off. Really? The bluegills is the highest they think they've ever had. Huh. Well, the perch is up there. Uh, Very interesting. Yeah. Huh. You know, usually have some kind of balance there. Yep. You know, when one species declines, another yeah, one increases. Exactly yeah. Charts do it too, yeah. Just like you said. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, mm. you take a look at Winnebago, um, and I don't fish it, you know, from from a boat standpoint anymore. But what a what a tremendous fishery from the Wolf River to the Fox River to the Bay of Green Bay, Door County. Man, if you like to fish, this is like heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You know, and you, Randy, with the, spent a lot of time on, on the Wolf River, and you, you were talking about uh, flies. How many years has it been? Like 10 years since the flies really kind of took over? It, it, uh, <clears throat> when it was kind of common. I guess there have been guys who have been doing it for years before that. But sure. When, when it just really opened up, yeah, about 10 years. Yeah. Isn't that something? And, I mean, now, now you see guys fishing uh, walleyes with plastics. Yep. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. You know, it's it. not the jig and the minnow anymore. It's, you know, Kitek, swim jigs. and That can all produce live bait yes. a lot of times. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm convinced of that now. Yep. Uh, yep. When you see these guys, uh, they're having such good luck with that. I mean, it's a consumable. And, you know, plus it's great for the bait companies because they just keep making more <laughs> and more of it. A couple, couple of the reasons, I think, is if, if you get a bite with a minnow, well, you better wind it in and get another one on there. If you get a tap or a snag or something with that plastic yep. you just keep right on fishing you spend yep. so much more time fishing than you when you're doing the plastic and that's going to help increase yep. your odds too i think yeah and they seem they hit it hard don't you think oh yeah they, they, oh yeah they smack that they smack the snot out of it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that and that stuff stinks oh it's yeah. got a smell to it oh, oh yeah, you know you and that's that stuff. has to that has to have something to do with it what do you think steve what are your thoughts on that Oh, I'm a huge believer in fish scent. Huge, huge, huge believer that uh, I, I, I got so many stories I could tell you, but um, I've done experiments with my clients where I'll actually, I'll actually use a fish scent or have them use it and have the other half not use fish scent or some type of attractant. And, and it seems like whoever uses it outfishes the other person, mm. even if they're in the back <clears throat> of the boat. Okay. You know, it doesn't seem like it makes a difference where they are positioned in the boat, but whoever's using that fish scent, for one thing, it makes my confidence level that much higher. So if I believe in a product, believe in something that I think is going to help me to catch more fish, I'm definitely going to use that. Yeah. You know, so um, it's not going to attract the fish to come up and come from miles away to come bite it. You know, but 
definitely when they bite it, they're going to hold on to it longer. You know, that's what it's all about. You think so. of color the same way then, too? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, no. You know, uh -huh. sometimes it doesn't matter what color you throw at a fish or what bait you throw at a fish. You know, if they're in that feeding zone, that you know, if they're very aggressive and ready to bite, they're going to bite it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've had days though, you know, other days where you could throw every bait you got in your dang box, your tackle box, and you won't catch a single thing, and you can see them plain as day. You know, I did a little study on that. It says fish bite twice a day. <laughs> Before you get there and right after you leave. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the gospel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I got another question for you, Steve. Uh, I've been starting to look at the sonar lunar tables a little bit. Oh, yeah. And what made me do that is every once in a while I'll be fishing in maybe at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. All of a sudden, the fish are biting like yep. crazy. I'll yep. go back and look at the sonar lunar yep. table. And once in a while, it's right on. I'd say... About 50% of the time, sure, it seems to be a good time to go out there. I never started to, to actually follow it up until last year. I started keeping a really good records of all my guide trips, how many fish I catch, the times that we were catching them. And I have noticed, especially even just this year already, all of a sudden we'll be out there and, you know, we won't catch it. All of a sudden it was like 9.15, it was last Saturday, and all of a sudden I pull up the lunar table. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's the peak feeding time. And we were slaying them on like for the, like a good half an hour to an hour. It was unbelievable. And all of a sudden they just seemed like somebody flipped the light switch and they were gone, yeah. you know. So I, I, if your question is, do I believe in it? Yes, I'm starting to. I'm starting to be. I'm. I'm a believer now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am too. But of course, local conditions, water level—that's all going to. Yeah, there's in. more factors than just but just if the you moon got phase. The real yep. constant weather pattern going, yep. and the sonar lunar tables tell you they're going to yep. be lighting. There's a pretty good chance they are. I've right. always been a follower of the lunar table. Yeah. Um, from a deer hunting perspective, sure. I mean, everything evolves around that. I, I really, you know. The, the tides, all these kinds of things, that it, the pressure, all these things all come in to make these creatures do whatever it is that they do. I think yeah. it has a huge impact. Yeah, like if that. I was personally going to book a fishing trip for myself, muskies especially. You know, muskie mm -hmm. fishermen, you know, if they're booking their, their, their big muskie trips around those moon phases. And I have, okay, if muskie fishermen are, why wouldn't it be the same with all freshwater species yeah. of fish? So yeah. I, I, I've, I, I really believe, I'm starting to believe that. So. I agree. Yep. I agree. All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living Outdoor Show here on The Score. All right, welcome back. Fleet Farms Living Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning us in tonight. And, again, I wanted to give you another reminder. If you are looking for any power garden tools or lawnmowers, you need to visit my friends Greg and Ryan over at Evergreen Power. Uh, those guys will take really good care of you. You can get uh, $200 instant rebates on many of their uh, Toro models. You can also uh, take advantage of their 36-month 0% financing on new select Toro mowers. Check out the new Toro Titan Max. Um, it is like the most ginormous uh, lawnmower I've ever seen. It's 60 inches, 26 horsepower, uh, and they got that one for $59.99. And you can also check out their 4000 Series Z-Master uh, beautiful machine, and uh, the coolest thing about the, the the guys at Evergreen is that their money-back guarantee. You buy something from Evergreen Power, and if you're not 100% happy with it, exchange it for something else or get your money back. 
And uh, now that winter's over, make sure you get all your snow uh, removal equipment over to them. They'll tune it up and store it for you, and it'll be ready for next winter. They're located at Highway 41 and N across from Trigger Action Sports. You cannot beat the sales and the service there with Toro. You can count on them. All right, we're back to the Living Outdoor Show here on The Score. I've got Randy Williams with me and Steve Mortensen, and we are talking kind of like plastics. You know, I mean, that I, I'm i in the industry, so I see what people are buying. It is absolutely, they're not just <laughs> buying one package, they're buying like 10. You're buying every one on that peg. Yeah, you're emptying pegs and you're trying absolutely. all these different colors. And it's amazing to me. I mean, back in the day, the plastics, I, the plastics to me was a Mr. Twister. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. So <clears throat> now you've got different colors, different smells, different styles. I mean, you could fill a, a, a pickup truck with, <laughs> with all the stuff that's out there. But, again, guys are having success with it. I think maybe, Steve, maybe you'll agree with me on this. It seems like it was more the guys with the bass fishing with the plastic worms sure. and stuff. Yep. Now it's not bass fishing. It's walleye fishing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, are you, a, are you a plastics guy? You probably fish everything. you got crankbaits, I am. top water, everything. I am. Actually, uh, to kind of talk about plastics, last year, uh, since this show we did last year, I made some, some, I would call minor changes to my fishing. So let's say in an average year I catch a 1,000 smallmouth, okay? Because of a few small changes, which I'll share in a second here, I bet you we boated over two to three thousand smallmouth last year. Wow! Now just, you got us curious. Yeah, ju- yeah. and, it, and it, was, it was just some small little changes. Uh, the, the first change was, um, for years I've always thrown a tube for smallmouth bass. You know they love tubes. Uh, you were talking about color. One color doesn't matter where you fish. Green pumpkin. Oh, green pumpkin, green pumpkin, yeah, green, green pumpkin. pumpkin with a copper yep. or red yep. fleck or yep. something. Yep, yep, yep. Green pumpkin's all you need. Uh, sure, it's it's fun to have different colors and stuff like that. But I have all these colors, and I throw green pumpkin ninety five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I have these colors. You know, I don't even use them. Uh, but the Ned rigs, unbelievable. Started throwing the Z Man Ned rigs. There's this the reason. You know, there's a lot of Ned rigs on the market. You need a Ned rig that floats. It has to be buoyant. It has to float. Because if that tail end is not sitting up, so so a Ned rig is basically a, a little looks like a what's it look like like a, like a, like a, a pen that you would break in half or a crayon yeah. that you chop in half, and you got a little jig on the end of it. I'm just trying to explain this to the to the listeners out there. And basically, there's no action to a Ned rig at all. It's it looks like the dumbest thing you could ever throw for <laughs> for catching a bass. Okay. And you just throw it out there and you let it sink to the bottom and you dead stick that thing and just hold it there. As painfully long as you can, and then maybe 20 seconds, you just move it a few inches, let it sit there again until you catch those fish. But the reason I started catching a lot of fish last year is I made a small change also to my setup. I went from normally using 12-pound, 10-pound, even 8-pound monofilament. That's what I've always used for years. I made a small change to braided line. The high-vis yellow, so you can really see it, with a six-pound fluorocarbon leader. And I'm talking a leader is about 12 feet. 12 feet. 12 feet, yep. Yeah, it's almost double the length of the rod. 
So by the time that knot is in the reel, it's all the way back up to the tip and back down where the, you're holding the lure in your hand. So that's how much along of a leader that I use. Um, and just from, I believe, that small change has boated so much fish for us last year. It was amazing. And I even took it a step further, and I started experimenting when we were talking at a game board and talking about having two hooks on your line. So what I'll do now, instead of uh, having uh, a net rig on the bottom, I'll take a tube, a nice heavy tube, like a 3 8 ounce or, or a half ounce tube, and then up about two feet, I put a drop shot on there. Mm. So I call it the net drop. I don't know if anybody else is doing it, but I started doing it. I something I thought of, and you would be surprised how many double headers I've been catching doing that. I'll be darned. Yes. Because yeah. I, I, me as a guide, when I'm out there and I have clients with me, I want to know right away, are they hitting on the bottom or are they suspending up a little bit? Are they, you know, so this way, as my clients are throwing what I believe they're going to catch fish on, I'm always throwing that, that net drop rig that I use, and that will help to determine where those fish are feeding, if they're a little more aggressive, tucked on the bottom, or if they're willing to come up and chase. I, I want to carry on on that, the, the, the braided line bit. Uh-huh. When I started throwing those flies, you can cast that about a mile and a half. Oh, right? yeah. With a big, heavy sinker. But if it's a mile and a half out and you got braided line, you can feel everything. If you got monofilament and you cast it long ways, it's like fishing with a rubber band. It's just like stretching. <laughs> you lose everything. You sure. No, I think that helps with detecting bites and stuff for years. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's the reason I use it. Yeah, because I'm sure I was missing fish before that I never even saw. And I was like, why would I use high-vis yellow line, you know, that you can see a mile away? But it's because of that fluorocarbon leader because you visually want to watch that line constantly as that lure is dropping every little thing you can see every little thing that that bait is doing on the bottom and as that's made a, a big difference big big mm -hmm. difference yeah. oh, that's awesome see a question for you you're gonna have to use a pretty unique knot to get that leader to that <laughs> to that, that was, braided that line that was my question <laughs> oh well, then i'll let you ask <laughs> yeah what, what kind of knot do you use for that well for years i was always using it's called the uni knot okay um but last year i decided to watch some of those youtube videos and finally learn how to tie what's it called the f the fg knot i think they call it okay um it's i thought it was going to be a very complicated knot the reason you want to you want to tie this knot is because it goes through the eyelets and the guides like it's just one line oh, yes okay. it's it it's it if you watch these videos but some guys say it can take five minutes to tie mm -hmm. i got it down to about a minute now Okay. Which is really good because it is, it is I, I recommend just sitting down, watching your favorite sports on TV or hunting show, fishing show, and just t tying it, learning how to tie it. It's, it's, uh, it's a little complicated, but it's, it's an unbelievable knot. And this knot is the, the strongest knot that there is that I know of, that I've ever heard of, that will hold both that fluorocarbon and that braided line together. Oh. Mm. Nice. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's the newest, hottest. And they have a tool out that you can buy, but it's like 20, 30 bucks that helps you to tie it. But you don't really need the tool. So, yep. The FG knot. Excellent. Well, that's the cool thing about, you know, the internet. You can go on YouTube. You can learn how to change your oil, fix your trailer <laughs> lights, <laughs> tie a knot, give yourself a haircut, get a wife. <laughs> that leads right into one of the questions I was going to ask. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. The question w was, uh, uh, years ago, they used to always say 10% of the fishermen catch 90% of the fish. I think now with the YouTube videos and the <laughs> talk shows like this, I think there's, it, that's like 
A lot more people are catching fish nowadays, too. Oh, yeah. You, you agree with that? I do. <laughs> I, I, it's ma- we're we're going to see some major changes this year and the next several years to come. A lot of it has to do with this whole pandemic that we're going through. I have more trips scheduled this year than I've ever done in my whole life. I almost have more trips scheduled for this summer than I even did total of last year. Wow. Yeah, it's unbelievable how many people are fishing. I mean, you can just, I mean, Mark, I'm sure you see it at the stores. A lot of products are so hard to get. It's like toilet paper was. You know, you can't find certain fishing baits. Like you said, guys are buying pegs full of baits. If you find your favorite color, you got to buy them all because you might not be able to get them for all the rest of the summer long because there's so many new people that are starting to fish now that have never fished before. Yeah, I mean, there's still a shortage. Yep. You know, there's more demand, just like ammunition. There's more people. There's millions of new gun owners. They're buying more ammunition. But there's all these other things. There's there's shipping. There's labor. There's transportation. There's all of these things that yep. are just a bad recipe, you know, for that. But, again, it's a, it's a good thing because more people are getting out and doing stuff outside. You know, last year, I remember during the pandemic, I had friends in the UTV business and the kayak business. They sold everything they had. (laughs) You know, people weren't taking vacations. They weren't going to Europe and spending, you know, $8,000 on a a vacation for the whole family. They were buying a UTV, jumping in that thing, and going for a ride in the the North Woods (laughs) or buying a a new set of kayaks. Mm -hmm. I guess if there's a positive thing to come out of that, um, it is that. But then there are some... Some issues. I personally, I still, I see it. I don't see it changing anytime soon. No. Uh, it, it's just going to continue. It's going to get. I thought with the ammunition thing, I thought it was going to get a little bit worse before it got better. Uh, I'm, I'm still sticking with. Yeah, that. I thought I had a good idea to start pouring my own soft plastics, but now I'm having a hard time getting the plastisol material that you use to make the plastic. Oh. <laughs> well, and that's just it. All these components. Yep. That go into manufacturing and packaging and distributing all of these things. They've been severed. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and that's gonna that's gonna just trickle down. Yeah, and, yeah. Know, one one of the big problems with the soft plastic companies is one of the main manufacturers overseas, I can't remember if it's France or Italy or something like that, they uh this is like the biggest supplier to the world that makes the plastisol. They had a, a huge fire mm-hmm. uh a, a few months ago. Oh no. Yeah, huh. so Unfortunately, because of that, and this is like companies like Strike King and, and Z-Man and all, you know, all these big, you know, I don't know, Berkeley or whatever, but all these other companies, this is where they get this from. And, yeah, and I, I found out about this uh, when I was trying to bind my plastisol. Somebody said, good luck because you're going to have a hard time oh, getting it. So, I, I, gotta, yeah. I, I, I used to be a teacher. I retired from that. And I, in my shop class, we made uh, fish and lures and tree stands, all kinds of stuff. One of the things was we bought plastisol and we poured it in those things and, and poured our plastisol. But I'd always have every year at least a couple. They'd turn that heat way up. Yep. Boy, when you burn that plastisol, does that stink? Oh, oh yeah. my <laughs> gosh! I just get a little queasy when I when oh. I hear the word yeah, yeah. plastisol. Yeah. Don't use your regular microwave to melt it uh, in your kitchen. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that. They think some of those those baits that. Um, when they come in and we're, we're merchandising them, it's like, oh, my God, does this stuff smell bad? I actually like the smell of the plastic. Not the burnt stuff. You're a sick no. man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. 
Welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on the Score. And if you get uh, get a chance, get over to Fleet Farm, get all your supplies, all your fishing tackle, all your bait, your lures, everything uh, you'll need for the upcoming weekend uh, before it all disappears. As we were talking about, there is definitely some shortages out there. But uh, uh, Fleet Farm is open Monday through Saturday, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 6. So we kind of left off talking about... Uh, you know demands and all that kind of stuff and it it's going to change but i think uh i'm i'm of the opinion now and and have been for years if you see something you like it and it works buy it yep you know uh even i even some of the places uh, online are are you know still we're all vying for the same pool yep of products so uh, you know, you just got to be uh, get it while you can. Don't buy one if you can buy several. <laughs> buy several. I always always like that because I did that with the old uh, 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 the old Rapalas, the old gold ones, the originals. We could catch walleyes, crappies, and bass on those up in the boundary waters. I was like, well, okay, you buy one, and the northern hits it, you're done. <laughs> I, I I buy them like twelve at a time. Yep. Because you're going to get snagged, you're going to get bit off, you're going to all this stuff's going to happen. So and and the, the old Rapalas are nothing like the new ones. No, not they're, at gosh, all. Oh, they're just the way they come through the water is. If, if I see them at rummage sales or flea markets, I buy every one that I can find. Yep, yep. I still have some of the original ones. I, some of them were still in the box, and and I'll tell you what, that is probably one of the, that in a, a MEP spinner. Sure. Uh-huh. And an old cotton. You might remember this cotton cordell redfin. Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that was the cheapest, stupidest, ugliest looking bait. It had no action to it at all. But the smallmouths hated it. <laughs> they would just tear it up um, in in the boundary waters. You just all you have to do is throw it into a, a rock pile or a boulder and just let it sit till all the ripples are gone. Just move it once. Wow. Boom. Hey, got it. Game over. <laughs> I love top water. What about you, Steve? You a top water guy? Oh, absolutely. I I, I can't wait for the water to warm up <laughs> so they start biting top water sure. baits. So, sure. you know, my favorite is the uh, the walking boss style baits that go back and forth. Okay. And you twitch them. Those have been my favorite for smallmouth right now. And and buzz bites actually. Last year, um, if anybody wants to go on my YouTube channel and see, I actually made a video, and I wanted to uh, put to the test every buzz bait that I could find, and I found. I think there was 54 buzz baits I put to the test. And I ran them all, put up camera underneath the water to hear what they sounded like and mm-hmm. see the bubble trail and how straight they ran and how true they ran out of the package and if they squeaked and if they ran left or right. Um, I tested all this stuff, and I narrowed it down to, like, my top three out of all of them. And buzz baits, love throwing buzz baits for topwater. That yeah. That's one of my f- favorite techniques for topwater fishing. I, I bought some of those Whopper ploppers, and the yep. first time I put it on, threw it in the water. Boom! <laughs> Three-pound largemouth. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, pike like them, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I, they, they like, pike will eat anything that bass will eat anyway. Yep. doesn't matter what it is. But uh, you got some stuff in front of you, Steve, here, and you guys have been talking about it back and forth. I mean, I'm not quite sure what it is, but why don't you... Uh, <laughs> Why don't you tell us what that is? Yeah. Uh, well, first, it has a very strange name. <laughs> it's called the butt dial. And what the butt dial Oh, is. God, we could have fun with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what this product is, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a neat uh, tool that a, a, a buddy of mine uh, invented. It's, let's say, you're, let's say you're an average fisherman, you have more than one rod. Because um, if you have one rod... 
you wouldn't really need this product. It's, it's for the fisherman who's constantly changing their line. Okay. It's a, it's a tracking. Uh, it's, it's like a, how can we describe it? It's a, it's, a, it's a piece of plastic that goes over the end of your rod, uh, down at the butt of your rod with a couple dials on there that keeps track of what size line you have on that spinning reel or bait casting reel so you don't have to have messy tape and magic markers and write on your reel and stuff like that. You just simply turn the dial if you have monofilament, braided line, fluorocarbon line, and what size line you have on there, and it locks that number in there so the next time you go and pick up that rod, you're going to know exactly what size line you have on there. Mm. Yep. And it, I, 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 yeah, I think it's a pretty cool idea, and, and we sent them to some of the, the big bass pros. I know Bassmasters just did a big write-up on, on it and stuff like that. And uh, it's it's I think it retails for like twelve fifty, so it's a good price point and stuff like that. And I know the guy, if you want to buy more than one, I know he. I just talked to him today, and he said one guy bought, bought 50 of them. How how do can people buy these? Yeah, actually, they can actually go right to either the I think it's the buttdial dot com or they can go on my website. I have them on there too on buttdial dot com. Yep, yep. I don't know if I want to type <laughs> that in. Yeah, or they can go on. I might get something else up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but or, no, that's that's a great idea. Yep. And and um, you know, if people want to get it, obviously it's it's probably not in any of the local shops as of not yet. But, yeah, uh, very but, soon, very yeah, soon. But it will you know, buttdial dot com. Yep. Okay, yeah. well, okay, we don't have to laugh at that one anymore. <laughs> yeah, but, it, uh, it is a funny name because I was like, hey, do I want to get that on my new tournament shirt and my <laughs> boat and my sponsored, you know, my truck and all that stuff? You know, <laughs> the big decal says the butt dial. <laughs> yeah, that could, that could raise some eyebrows, I'm thinking. But you know what? It's something like that that will get people to pay attention. Absolutely. What is that? Yeah. Because yep. everybody yep. associates butt dial with, oh, I sat down and called somebody yeah yeah it's a cool product I, I i'm really excited to put it to the test this summer and and see how it holds up Good all deal. summer long I, so. I think sometimes these little these little i don't want to say for lack of a better word gizmos accessory they're functional yeah yeah yep. yeah they're functional they're little little nuances and little things that you just don't you take for granted but it's like oh my god that'll make things so much simpler I for got, me you know i got all different kinds of poles and different lines and stuff and i try it out I, you can take the very best magic marker there yep. is and you write that on the reel, and then and we. I used to on. use the, the printing label machines. Oh. And I used yeah. to wrap that around, and that doesn't last all summer oh. either. Uh-huh. It it just fades. So yeah. yep. So, but yeah, they can go on on the smallmouthaddiction.com website to purchase them on there. I do have them on there right now. So. Okay. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. So Randy, back over to you. White bass. Is it started? What's going on? I think I've only got like six or so so far. But okay. I'm here down by uh, uh, Chico's. And down in that area, I heard they're coming up. So they're starting to make their they're way school, up. They're yeah. schooling up? They're getting, they're getting a few. Uh, uh, at Winnicottie, I heard a couple reports, huh. too. So they're getting a few. So, and they're, most of the people say they're big this year. Uh-huh. But uh, I think the general population, though, is, is way down compared to a normal year. Hmm. Uh, that's, my, hmm. that's my guess. That's interesting. Is yeah. every, everything's earlier this year, though, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's that's one thing I noticed. The fishing, it's, it, we all we all think it's like a month from now because we got so spoiled with that warm weather that we had, you know, a few weeks ago where it was like almost seventy degrees out, you know, yes, and yeah. everybody thinks oh, the fish are on their, you know, their, you know, their patterns where they should be, and they're not, you know, they're still far behind yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's one of those years where it just got warm quick, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know a lot of people are talking about the water level in Lake oh, yeah. Winnebago too, and that's. Yeah. Yeah, that's something to pay attention to, but it's coming back up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like Steve had showed me earlier a picture of, uh, you better be careful. 
I'm Things change when that water levels like that, and, yeah. and you get those windy days. I mean, sandbars and stuff like that 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 can present some some serious issues for for boaters. But the water that's coming back up, and I was talking, to, and, and my my take on that is the ice was off way early. Oh yeah, and I think those guys have those dams set to be put at a certain time. You know, based on what that uh, what that water level is. And I think we just, to me, I looked out there, it's like, okay, well, it looks low, but then again, the ice <laughs> went out early. And you, you typically, I mean, there's been times where the 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 ice would have just gone out like a week ago. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, it, that that changes things. How is the current on the river right now? Actually, well, it just started to drop again, but it was up there really good for a it while. It was. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, I, that's, I just, that's, that's one thing I always have a problem with is uh, – a lot of new boaters on the river, when that current's just ripping through there, yeah. you're playing bumper boats a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh-huh. that's a little scary. I've had some close calls. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always an issue. I I, I can remember distinctly. I, I I missed like uh, two days, and I got back out on the river, and I had to bump up my sinker weight quite a bit for my flies because wow. the current really started to rip then. I'm probably going up there tomorrow to scope out the smallies for this weekend's oh. tournament. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I caught 12 in one little dinky spot. I'm All right, we need to talk. Draw you a map. <laughs> <laughs> All right, these guys are going to have a little meeting after the broadcast tonight, and they're going to change some uh, some ideas and stuff. But, you know, that's kind of that's what this show is all about. You know, get people, you know, give them some ideas, uh, share some things with them, and, and um, you know, the white bass run, usually I always correlate that to the – to the um you know the the lilac trees that's yep. what people always say and oh, yeah. it seems to be pretty close to that time frame anyway but what about crappie fishing this time of year on the river is that pretty good or i, I really don't get into the crappies much so you don't I'm okay yeah I, well i know the the bluegill and crappies have been really good i don't know about the river but in the channels right now mm-hmm. they're they they, they still are producing some really good catches right now. And I'm talking like a lot of the channels that I have been seeing are the ones in Oshkosh, uh, the ones down by Black Wolf, uh, Van Dyne area. Any channel that comes off of Lake Winnebago, there you go up as far as you can get, get to that warmest water that's farthest away from the lake, the mm-hmm. back end of those channels. And these guys, they're, they're getting their limits. So, yeah, pretty quickly, too. I see there's a lot of shore fishermen right now. You just walk, drive along those roads where the culverts come up to the end of the road, and these guys got buckets full of bluegill right now with a mixed bag of some crappies. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, Winnebago has kind of turned into a – when I first moved here, I never caught a crappie. Then all of a sudden we were out trolling and we're snagging like 14 inches. I'd like someone to show me and teach me where they go in the summertime. I don't know where they go. They yeah. disappear. They, they've got to go invisible. somewhere. Yeah. Like maybe they're like the bluegills and they just head out on some hump off off the off yep. the shoreline or something like that, you know. But yeah, you just you just wonder can the can the system sustain? You know, you always wonder about that. Can they just sustain pressure. that amount of pressure? Yeah. It, you know, you always think about that, and there's so many more fishermen, and there's so much more competitive fishing and stuff that goes on. You know, how much can the can the system actually handle? But yeah, uh, I'm actually happy to see some of the bigger tournaments in the area are not holding any tournaments on Green Lake this year. Uh, the last few years, we've seen a huge uh, decline in the weight 
of tournament fish that you would catch. You used to average 25 pounds for five fish. Last few years, not even 20 pounds. So there's just so much pressure. There were so many big tournaments, and then you had major league fishing out there and all these other big tournaments that came, and everybody's out there just pressuring these fish. So it's nice to see that they're backing off for a year. I wish they would kind of do that on other systems as well. Well, that would make perfect sense. Don't have repetitive tournaments. Yep. They should be on a cycle. Correct. You know, maybe every two years or every three years they hit that. I mean, that's one thing. Competitive fishing, it's great. I mean, it's it's entertainment. It, it, It sustains employment and all that kind of stuff. But there's also a lot of people that live on those lakes. Right. That pay taxes and and all that kind of thing, so I think that respect level needs yep. to be put there as well. Yeah, think of the tournaments now that you catch the fish, you weigh it, put it right back in the lake. Oh, I love that. That's 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 that that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I still you know you're still pressuring these fish. You're still especially during the spawn in you know the most critical time. There should not be any tournaments. I mean, as much as it hurts me to say that because I love it, and that's when you catch the big ones. You know, when they're up on their beds. But Yeah, exactly. But. <laughs> All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. All right, welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Truick. Thanks for tuning us in. And uh, we got a couple more minutes here to wrap it up. So uh, what... Uh, Steve, obviously, what uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the upcoming season? Things looking pretty good. I think it's going to be one of the best years we've had. I'm uh, definitely a step up from last year. Last year, the weed growth population didn't get anywhere like I was hoping it was gonna. Everything was kind of messed up. This year, I think everything's on track where it should be. Uh, Mother Nature. It's all going to depend on that. But I think we're in store for some phenomenal fishing here in Wisconsin. Excellent, excellent. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, weather-wise. Um, you know, I, I remember opening opening days of fishing, and it was snowing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was a couple of years ago, too. Um, up north, I was afraid that we wouldn't even be able to get the boat in the water because the, the ice was hadn't gone out yet, Yeah, yep. like uh-huh. a week before. But it's, it's amazing to, to see how quickly, it, when it goes, it goes. Oh, yeah. You know, if it gets dark, it's dark, and then the, the shoreline, you know, moves out a little bit, and then, like, you wake up next morning, and it's like, it's gone. <laughs> Do you ever get those big uh, ice flo- flows and shoves up on your place yeah. there? Yeah, we had another one this year. It pushed all the big rocks and stuff. It actually reinforced my my wall. <laughs> really? I had to go out and clean it up a little bit, but it pushed a bunch of stones up and, and nice. reinforced it. But, uh, yeah, um, it does some, some pretty pretty heavy damage. Once it once it starts, it doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Oh, it doesn't no. stop. But, gotcha. Uh, huh. It I guess if that's a between that and the lake flies are about the only two bad things I can think of. For, yeah, and because for, of those lake flies, Lake Winnebago is a great fishery. <laughs> yeah, precisely. What about the river? I mean, what you know, obviously the white bass runs coming on. What what do you fish uh, throughout the summer then, uh, Randy? Or I fish the uh, the white bass and the walleyes all summer. I funny because I used to be total bass tournaments all the time, and then when I started guiding, I found there was a more desire for the white bass and the walleyes, and then I really got hooked on that. And then the <laughs> fly business they keep talking about all the time. But you can catch fish all summer long with that, all summer long. That's the beauty of, of the river. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's fish in there all the time, mm-hmm. yep. all the time. It's, uh, but, yeah, I was out at, out, out at Steve. He took, took me and showed me his place, and uh, 
I go, man, I could I could be real happy sitting right here. Yeah. Sitting on his little, he's got his little pontoon barge there with the, his rods on it. And it was, that's way cool. I know we're wrapping up, but I, uh, so I want all the viewers to know that I am, this is something new you guys don't know about me. I am a Packer fan, diehard Packer fan. And during COVID, I actually released my very first Packer song. Packer song? Yes, and it went viral overnight. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's called The Packer Fan. So if anybody wants to check it out, and I actually had the singer from American Idol, Frankie Moscato, was uh, a singer on my song. Well, there you go. Yeah. You you got all kinds of stuff going on here, Steve. Packer Fan. That's what I'm looking at. The Packer Fan, yep. All right, fantastic. Well, listen, it is time for us to wrap it up. Uh, Thanks to Fleet Farm for uh, sponsoring our show and bringing us, uh, helping us bring this program to you tonight for our two-hour special. Thanks to Warden Zach Seitz. Thanks to you, Randy. It's always great seeing you. Uh, Steve, as well, thank you for taking the time to join us here on uh, Living the Outdoors. And if you are headed out this weekend to fish, be safe, uh, be conscientious and respectful of others. And, again, if you have the opportunity to impact somebody's life through the outdoors, take advantage of it. It will make you a better person. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Have a great evening and live life in the outdoors. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.